eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, part of the Paramount Podcast Network. I am Mike Casazza welcoming in Chris Anderson. Chris, we've yanked you off the Little League field, off a of Mountaineer field. We've cornered you around the three-point line to talk a little basketball. People finally able to... Lift their heads, look around. Coast is clear. The basketball roster is complete. No Courtney Ramey. No idea how they're going to get from 14 to 13 yet. Definitively, we have some thoughts, but that's not why we're here. We've talked plenty about all of that before. We're going to take a step forward. We're going to talk about starting five. And then I have a question or two for you after that. That I've been asked and I've asked and I don't have answers to. So I'm going to see if you have an answer to but before we start, let's just ask this question here. The pool of 13 players that they have, mm-hmm. how hard is it to pull five from to establish a starting lineup? Uh, pretty difficult because I think you can go a lot of different directions here. I think you could go two, three guard lineups. You could go small. You could go big. Uh, I think there's some flexibility, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's what they were trying to do. Um, but you know, they're not going to change the starting five every game. You might see minutes fluctuate based on the matchups and based on what they're trying to do offensively and defensively. But I think we've seen Huggins settle on a starting five, even if set one of those players is only playing a handful of minutes and they adjust on the fly as far as uh, the lineups that are out there for the majority of the game. So we just got to, hey, we got to get into the mind of Bob Huggins and figure out which five he wants. I've been trying for 15 years. <laughs> I can't get in there. The thing is locked. It's like Fort Knox. Uh, and there's plenty more value in there probably than Fort Knox too. So good luck on that one to opponents and coaches alike. Let's um, let's let's break down for a second here because I think if we if we step back and we consider everything we have discussed about how they're going to formulate this roster, we can agree that one thing that they have really locked in on is the concept of – and you're free to use your own adjective here, but versatility – flexibility, um, combination purpose. What I mean by that is that they're not going to get caught in a spot where they cannot punch back or where they cannot create an advantage. So they're going to spot a disadvantage at the rat and be able to make a change proactively or reactively. And similarly, they may start a game with who and what they are, but may go to something different for the purpose of offensive defense. Maybe they even start the game different. Which leads me to this, the idea of running out the same starting five. Well, that has been perpetual before, but he's also had seasons where, whether because of results or because of disgust, he's changed that starting lineup a bunch. Sometimes it's it's injury, too. I get that. 
But because they've been so fixated upon being versatile, flexible, adaptable, could you see for non-injury, non-performance-related reasons, different starting lineups at different stages? Or do you think that that just takes care of itself as the game goes along? It may be the plan even before the start of the game, but they're going to start their five before they go off script a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I don't think he'll change it unless there's injuries or disciplinary or whatever reasons, because I think it's it's going to be one of those situations where, um, just for example here, like say you start the year with Keedy Johnson and they decide, you know, hey, one of these other guards, maybe Joe Toussaint is really stepping it up and needs to get more minutes, and but maybe they don't feel comfortable going in that three-guard lineup. And instead of removing Keedy from the starting lineup, uh, maybe his minutes just go down from, you know, say 23 or 24 down to 16. And, and Toussaint picks up those other eight minutes, and that that takes care of itself rather than having to make any changes to the starting lineup. I would agree. I think so. Um, we'll get into that two-guard, three-guard thing because that's very interesting to me too. Uh, and before we dig into this, one more thing that I promised, we'll get to it now. A question in the Hey Mike thread on the Country Roads Confidential Board. That's our VIP board, if you're not familiar. Well, Chris, you have a deal for them, don't you? I do, 60% off right now. Uh, you're listening to this. We are putting the, we're recording this Sunday evening, putting it up Monday morning. This deal ends Monday night, midnight, so not a whole lot of time to jump on this deal. 60% off for an entire year of VIP. Covers you all the way through football season, basketball season, four signing days, baseball season, and the start of next year's official visits and recruiting camps. And I was about to say transfer season, but when is it not transfer season, I guess? So a whole year of transfer season as well. So jump on that while you still can. Can I say something? Go. No? Did you say no? I, no, I said go ahead. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I thought you said no. I was going to, we we're going to have a scrap, sir. Um, <laughs> This is this is not to tap ourselves in the back here, but um, well, you as normal have been on top of the commitments and recruiting, and even the decommitments here too. So if you are if you want to be plugged in on what's happening during, I think we would agree an impressive, also active off season, whether it's a transfer portal or the kids coming into town on officials, unofficials, camps, and then what's going to happen after that. There's a whole lot of tea read, tea leave reading, and and you are fluent in that. And I get I get a lot of kudos from friends and connections of mine just because I listen to you. Um, so listen, that's one reason to get into. And then the basketball offseason has been unusually busy just because they had to be so busy in the transfer portal, which is kind of a new thing here, too. And I think that we were there punch for punch with a lot of this stuff here, too, where a lot of people were not surprised what was happening up to and including the fact that Courtney Ramey was going to pick West Virginia as a finalist weeks and weeks and maybe even months ago. And it was going to come down to them in Arizona, which it did. And he did. He picked Arizona. That happens, too. But um it's going to keep going here. Like they're going to have basketball recruiting. They're going to have football recruiting. There's going to be baseball recruiting. There's going to be baseball transfers. There's the baseball draft. That's just the immediate right now. The football season comes around. The basketball season comes around. Um, there's a good thing going here with a lot of people who contribute behind the wall with their comments and their input and everything. Pretty cool community. I'm glad to be a part of it. And frankly, kind of upset that they're offering it for 60% off because <laughs> got to put food in the table, Chris. Don't you know? Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Anyhow. On the Hey Mike thread, that's something where you can pretty much ask me anything on the message board here. Very popular. Not for me as much as the questions. Carolina Mountaineer 2 asks, who is your projected starting lineup for basketball? Sir, we're going to get to that, okay? However, Carolina Mountaineer 2's second question is, what returning sophomore do you see making the biggest 
jump this year. Ooh, that's a good one. And there is quite a list to choose from here. Do you have yes, an answer to this one? I do. And it's kind of, it might be tied to my starting five. So we can intertwine these two questions together. Um, and what'd you say? You've been trying for years to get in Bob Huggins's head. Cause this is, years. again, are you, are you going to take what Bob Huggins says at face value? I mean, co- he's a coach coaches have coach speak. So there are times where you can, and you cannot take what he says. at face value. But one thing that he said that I took to heart and I believe he said that James Aconqua was the most athletic big man that they had last year. He said before he got hurt that he was going to play last year. Now, he got hurt, then he maybe he wasn't hurt, and then he, maybe he was again, and then maybe he was redshirting, and then wasn't. So I kind of got confused there for a while. But he is somebody that I could see. If, if all of that preseason talk is legitimate, he is somebody that I could see making a, a big leap because, I mean, what's he leaping from? Right now he's leaping from essentially nothing last season. He, and so any kind of big jump is is going to be notable for this team. I will let you off the hook if he's a medical redshirt. Okay. But that could be the right answer. Yeah. There are options. Mm-hmm. Oconco is one. Kobe Johnson, if you believe in Evan Miyakawa, was one of the more underrated, underutilized players in the Big 12 last year. Extremely favorable ratings when it came to lineup combinations, his contributions on offense, on defense, um, that would certainly be one to look at there, too. You like Okonkwo. Um, do we count Pat Sumnick and Big Mo? Nah, that's cheating. Jamel King's going to play. Right. That was another one. That's another sneaky pick there, because I think a lot of people will trend towards Kobe Johnson or Seth Wilson because they were involved last season. But Jamel King is the guy that, you know, I said this before last year when I thought he was going to make an impact last year. There were people who watched him practice and watched him go through open gym and compared him uh, favorably in in some aspects to Lamont West. And I know not everything was great with Lamont West, but if you are a guy that is long and lanky and can shoot like Lamont West, you're a guy that should be playing for this West Virginia basketball team. I'm glad you said favorably. The flashes I've seen of Jamel King, he's more athletic than Lamont West. Yeah, right. Lamont West, sneaky, smooth scorer, though, but consistency and maybe confidence or issues with him. I'm going to go Seth Wilson, though, mm-hmm. because he he stands to benefit the most from Courtney Ramey not being here, and his development may have been stunted the most by Courtney Ramey being here. They're essentially playing the same position. Um, I talked to someone, not a capital S someone, as you like to say, not a capital P person, but someone who talked to capital P, capital S someone. And one of the reactions of not getting Ramey was, we're okay, Wilson's going to be good. And his growth on defense and maybe as a more complete score is, is is I don't know, it's it's like circling the airport, so to speak. It's, it's making its initial descent. And if you made it pop back up and do some more laughs around the airport, that might be discouraging for his development. But now it's kind of on time for arrival, and maybe it, maybe it does help out. He played a bunch last season. I think he was the better of the two guards, even though Kobe Johnson was so uh, revered by the stats. But Wilson played more and, and, frankly, played a little bit better when he got in there. I don't know how much of it was luck and banking shots in or just getting good looks at the right spot and beating halftime buzzers. There is some skill to that, too, and I think he's going to play some because – 
think you're going to play a lot of three guards and he can get in there. So will Kobe Johnson, but I guess the good point here is they have some sophomores who are poised to break through in the front court and in the back court, and there's nothing wrong with that. So hope we answered that one, Carolina Mountaineer, too. Let's get to the starting lineup, Chris, and we're going to begin with maybe the most intriguing position because you have a newcomer who's old and you have a returning player who's also old. They both happen to be similarly skilled when it comes to maybe a defensive bend and also how they score and maybe even drawbacks as to how they do not score. We're talking about Joe Toussaint, transfer from Iowa, New York City kind of guy, right? And mm-hmm. Kedrian Johnson, who's back. And there's a loyalty that may be earned there from the coaching staff. He also may be wired in such a way where he doesn't care. He just wants to play to win, and winning is what matters the most, no matter how much he plays. One of them has to start. Am I wrong here? Or would you go outside the pocket and say, no, actually, Kobe John does your starting point guard? I do not think you're wrong. Uh, for the record, I, I didn't cheat, but... I made two starting lineups and trying to decide which way I thought Bob Huggins would go, which way I would go, which way Bob Huggins would go, which as many people who have read me over the years doesn't, we don't always agree, but in both lineups, I had Keity Johnson as a starter. I think Joe Toussaint might be better, but he is someone that has excelled off the bench. West Virginia, you have to have someone that's good off the bench. You have to, like you can't, you cannot, I don't want to say you can't put your best five out as your starters all the time, but you really need to have somebody who is starter capable on that second team, coming in with that second unit. And I think if you can have Joe Toussaint coming in as that second point guard, you're in really good shape. Not that you're going to be in bad shape with Keity Johnson as the second point guard, but I think he has earned that spot. He's got the trust of Bob Huggins. So in both of my starting fives, I had Keity Johnson as the starting point guard and Joe Toussaint as, you know, my first point guard off the bench. I disagree only because I think Toussaint's going to play well enough in the preseason to convince Huggins that that's the best role for him. Um, And that doesn't really mean anything against Keidre Johnson. I just think that Keidre Johnson can give you a defensive lean off the bench if you need it. But also Kobe Johnson can give you offense off the bench. So I think you have an either-or option on both of them. And again, that might be true if you start Kedrian Johnson instead of Toussaint. But I think Toussaint has some jets to him on offense based on what I've heard. And that's something that can spark the start of a game. You know, get some easy layups, get some things going. And I think he's here for a reason. I'm not saying that he was promised to be a starter. But I think that, like, they assured him, like, listen, we got guys who understand who they are and what they have to do. It's your time to play more on a really good Power 5 team. Come here earn the chance. And I just think he's going to earn the chance. I just think that he's going to use the preseason, whether it's now in the summer or in the the fall months to have proven himself where he is the starter there. I would not be surprised if I'm wrong either. It is Kedrian Johnson and everything you just laid out is the thing, but um, dark horse though would be Kobe Johnson. Like what if he's just very good and a lot of his potentials unleashed and he just has this alpha mentality where whether it's an open gym to the practices, he just believes that, what has been written and what has been analyzed about him is actually true. And he pops in um, again, a good situation because now you have three guards. And when you think about their, their problems last year, it was productivity from the backcourt at times that led to droughts on offense. Part of their plan to fix that was to have maybe more diverse skills. I'm not entirely sure they got that when it comes to perimeter scoring, but you have three different point guards with different offensive and defensive abilities and I wouldn't say that they're weak in any one of them either. They all have things they can do, and that's a good thing. But 
you have Kedrian Johnson. I have Joe Toussaint, and I'm just basing on a projection. I think he's going to be there. Kobe Johnson could get there. Kedrian Johnson may be right there. I don't know if you can go wrong on this one. No. So before we move on to the other spots, let me ask you something. Did you go big lineup, little lineup, or traditional, I guess, lineup? How did you did you go three guards, wing, big, two guards, wing, two bigs? What'd you go? This is kind of why I asked you what you thought might happen, because I could I really could see them changing because I was looking at some of the Big 12 rosters and they're going to be different. You're going to have huge teams and you're going to have guard oriented teams like and, and why would you be big against a team like Kansas that may be small and perimeter oriented? And why would you be, you know, a, a traditional lineup against a team like I'm trying to think of who in the top of my head here, like like Texas could be big or or. Baylor could be just a long team and you don't want to get overshadowed. So I do wonder if they if they adapt things a little bit here, too. Um, I do not have them starting three guards. Um, but I have a hard time getting to a 3-4-5, especially because of the four spot. But I think we're going to agree on this based on your previews here. But I went 1-2-3-4-5, but I could see 1-2-2-3-4-5. Two, two okay. Because, yeah, I made, I made, again, two starting fives. I have a 1-2-3-4-5. And I have a yeah a one two two, three slash four and okay. four slash five kind of thing yeah. Okay, well let's get to the two. Uh, I think it's Eric Stevenson. Yep. Um, and again, I know people aren't maybe enamored with him, but I think if you look at if you if you weigh things about who they lost and how they replaced it, you're not replacing maybe a scorer or a threat or a shooter like Sean McNeil, I think you're replacing a, a pretty good version of it, you know, maybe maybe slightly discounted. But I think Eric Stevenson does more things for your team to help. Um, I think his offense is maybe a little bit overlooked. Based on moving around a bunch the past couple of years, it's hard to get a lot of momentum when you're changing zip codes. But also, he led the team in assists at South Carolina last year, and you just can't pass it to yourself. Um, hard to make jump shots when you're passing it to yourself. And when your team is at such a deficit – running the offense that you, a two guard who may be a small forward in some situations has to run the point and do a lot of the offensive ball handling. And don't forget with a funky finger, he shot about 40% from three. If the guard play is good, if the post play is going to have better passing out of it, he's going to benefit. I don't think it's a major drop off. And I think when you look at what Sean McNeil created as a deficit with his sometimes stationary offense and his lack of defensive proficiency, Stevenson's an upgrade there. I don't even flinch on this one. I think he's your two guard. And I really like Seth Wilson. So that's where I went. You know, in my two lineups, I have four guys that are starting in both of them. And then again, it just depends on if you're going with the two or another two or another five. And, and Stevenson is my two. But if you go with that three guard lineup, I have Seth Wilson as that other that other guard. Um, and if we're going with a traditional one, two, three, then Emmett Matthews is my third right there. Um, so if, if moving on to small forward, I guess, not if you want to call him that, Emmett Matthews, right? I mean, we're, are we going to have any debate about that at all? No, this is, yes, I'm, I'm with you there at all. I think that's right. Um, however, I went two slash three a little bit. Uh-huh. And I think that if Kedrian Johnson starts, you might see a situation where Kobe Johnson also starts with mm with Stevenson and that gives you a three guard backcourt and Matthews is your four. Matthews can play the four. 
Um, yeah, that's that's what I have in my small lineup is okay. Matthews at the four. So yeah. that's not what I picked here. I have him as my three because I just I can't get away from Bob Huggins getting away from being big. And I think there's a way for him to do that, but not be lumbering and cumbersome in the front court. I think he could be, again, flexible, versatile with players who can do different things and not necessarily having to put different players in the lineup. So give me him and Matthews as a three, which is strange because he, he's been a four quite often in his career. So if you got four, all right, wait. So one, two, three, four, and he's four. Let's keep going with that, him at the three spot. Matthew's at the three spot for right now. Who would you have at your four, for your forward? I'm not going to go Pat Sumnick. I'm going to go Oconquo because I think he can give you some of the things that maybe Trey Mitchell as a five can't. And what I mean by that is some interior rebounding, bounciness shot blocking um i do think that sumnick i think he may surprise people i just think that he's going to be a good player listen man he was really good in junior college i know people are like just down on him i don't i don't know why but he's 6 8 230 he's got some pop from the perimeter he's been an all-star he's been mvp of all-star events he's a junior college all-american it was a pretty good year for junior college basketball and he's one of those guys so is mo wag um I, I I would <laughs> I think he's going to contribute. I did not spend a lot of time puzzling over this and saying, hmm, is it going to be Oconquo? Is it going to be Sumnik? But the thought did occur to me that like there's always a surprise out there. Like Dax Miles takes the floor and, and starts every game basically of his career, right? And no one really saw that coming. But like there's a surprise every now and then where just somebody pops in and you're like, Well, I didn't see that coming. Like McNeil, when he started, you know, just about every game in twenty twenty one, I think that surprised people. Um We'll see. I don't know. But I just think that Oconquo maybe is a better compliment to Mitchell. I don't know enough about Sumnik yet as far as a complimentary piece. So give me Oconquo as your four. Okay. So outside of the the Keedy Johnson, Keedy Johnson and Joe Toussaint uh, disagreement, we have the same starting five in the traditional lineup. Because I have, I have Keedy, Stevenson, Matthews, Oconquo, and Mitchell. I'm assuming you have Mitchell in the starting five. Or are you really pulling a fast one on us? No, correct. But let me pause here. We mentioned how hard is it to pull five out of 13, right? Yeah. Is Oconquo one of your best five? Or is he one of the best five in the sense that he fits one of the five spots best? I think he fits one of the five spots best. But that goes back to my maybe you don't want your best five as your starting five because you want to have one of your best five coming in off the bench. So could you see a world in which Mitchell is your four and Wade is your five? Or... I don't know. I'm not going to say Jimmy Bell, but could could Oconquo play the five? And essentially, he's still a four, but like maybe he's better suited to be a five. And Mitchell's skill on offense, I think we can presume, it's mm-hmm. it's not back to the basket on the block. He can space out a little bit and do some things, but also move without the ball and catch some things. I think he's a better... I think he can do some things in the interior, but like, could he be a four? Or is he definitely your five? No, so that's that's what I had. I actually had Mitchell four, Oconquo five. Okay, it, fair. To be honest, on mine, so... Not, I kind of have them interchangeable, but yeah. Big Mo, no chance to start? Even uh, though- I considered it because I think, you know, if you're really looking for that shot blocker, remember how we talked about what kind of defense they were going to play, and I said you had to have that. Just because you don't have Kanate, if you can get Kanate light, you can still run it um, of the, that pressing type of defense with a, a rim protector behind him. And out of everybody on this roster, every single one of them, uh, Big Mo is – uh, pretty definitively 
the, the top rim protector, at least based off of what he did in junior college. Okay. So our intrigue spots are whether it's three guards and Matthews at the four or two guards, Matthews at the three. I think that's the big decision there. That's where these lineups swing. And again, could that be a perpetual thing where every game he's going to have one or the other, he being Bob Huggins, he's going to have one or the other. And maybe during the game he flexes out and this is a little bit different based on what's working or what he wants to do or just pattern. And there's really only one way to find out, and that's to try to get inside of his head, which you can't do right now, and you're going to have to wait until you talk to him or see him working that grease board on the sideline. All right, so since we have pretty similar rosters, top five, let me ask you this. Let me finish it with this. Finish it with one of us, maybe both of us, given hot take here. Is the starting five that you just put down on paper or that I just put down on paper better than last year's starting five? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, I just wanted you to give a hot take because, yeah, I think my starting five. So They started two of the worst players in the Big 12 last year. Well, I'm sorry, so, but like that's that's what they say. And they were four and 14 last year in the Big 12, correct? Right. Is that correct? Yeah. So like and again, like this is not to knock on Isaiah Cottrell, who I think, I mean, maybe over delivered last year, which sounds weird because his numbers were so uh, poor. But that's a guy who blew out his Achilles December of 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Came back, played, started and. I don't know, probably shouldn't have because he just had a bad season. And McNeil, just when you look at what McNeil could not do and what and how the offense and defense suffered with him on the court and he just did not give you enough in the offense, again, that was one of your poorer performers, especially the amount of time he played in the Big 12. You're taking out 40% of your starting lineup there and replacing with parts who, I mean, did they, did they go out and work and work and work to get worse options? I have a hard time believing that. We'll see, but I have a hard time believing that. I'm with you. I think... The name recognition, because um, Taz, I think, I mean, if you go with Taz Sherman, like he's probably better than maybe anybody that's in the starting five. Like I'd, I'd make an argument for Mitchell um, over Sherman, but I don't know how good of an argument that would be. But a lot of it, I think you just, fans just hear the names and they think, oh, yeah, Sean McNeil, of course he's better than, than what West Virginia is going to have at the two slash three spot this coming year. And have, look at the stats. Are we sure? Are you sure? And, you know, look at look at the actual like you know the counting number stats, the points, the shooting percentages. Look at the advanced analytics and ask again. Are you sure? Same thing goes with Jalen Bridges. I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast before. Like I think he has all the potential and talent in the world, but the guy averaged eight points, four rebounds, and, and would disappear for long stretches of the games. Um, so, is you know if Trey Mitchell's your new four. Yeah, because obviously West Virginia was wearing a little smaller lineup before, but if that's your new four, like that's that's a big upgrade. If it's Emmett Matthews over Jalen Bridges to more accurately compare two position, two players at the same position, I might be leaning towards Matthews again. So um, I'm with you. I do think that this starting five has the potential to be better than last year's starting five. Well, that's not a yes or no answer to your question, Chris. But when you ask yourself the questions, you get to provide whatever answer you want, I suppose. Huh? That's correct. Well, hey, you asked us the questions. That would be Carolina Mountaineer, too. And all the people who have peppered us with our thoughts on the starting five, also the sophomore class, now you have some answers there. Ultimately, it's going to come down to Bob Huggins. What's inside that vault atop his shoulders? 
what his team can do once the regular season does begin. A long time for now, plenty of time to debate and discuss. I know you will. Please do so responsibly. Until then, I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.